Welcome to Heard It Here podcast, the official podcast of Nebraska Cattlemen. Today it's our pleasure to have our new neighbor in-house at the Nebraska Cattlemen office to chat with us, Colonel John Bulldog, who is the superintendent of Nebraska State Patrol. Welcome, Colonel Bulldog. We're happy to have you here. Well, thanks, Pete. I'm glad to be here. For our listeners and members, if you would please share a brief background of yourself and how you got to Nebraska, we'd appreciate that. Well, you bet, Pete. Uh, as you know, I'm originally from Minnesota. I uh, grew up in uh, the Twin Cities suburbs. Uh, back in those days, uh, those suburbs were more like uh, dairy farming communities, uh, which all of a sudden turned into urban sprawl. Uh, so that was kind of my background growing up. I uh, went to Bemidji State University in northern Minnesota. Got a degree in criminal justice and embarked on a career as a police officer uh, in my hometown of Maple Grove and uh, I did that for a dozen years and then I became a police chief in a small town in central Minnesota. Uh, I was in Mora and then also I was the chief in Brainerd which uh, many folks are familiar with Brainerd if they go up to Minnesota to do some fishing. So I was there for nine years. It was a great place. We uh, raised some cattle while we were there. It was a good time. It was a great project for the kids as they were growing up. And uh, one day, my wife and I realized we were empty nesters and were really cold, so we moved to California and uh, spent uh, seven and a half years out there as a police chief uh, with the Port of San Diego. And um, then we uh, began looking for a job back in the Midwest. We wanted to come back and be closer to the kids who had uh, finished college, grew up, and were settled, uh, son in, Sandy, in uh, Kansas City, and our daughter in the Minneapolis area. So uh, we saw this opportunity here in Nebraska, and uh, I have to give it uh, to my wife, uh, Dawn. We've been married 35 years, and she moved to Nebraska having never set foot in this state before. So she's a real champ, uh, followed me all over the country, and uh, we've been here four years and have really enjoyed it, really uh, felt connected to Nebraskans as Midwesterners, very, very similar to folks that we know in Minnesota. Uh, just typically hardworking, uh, down-to-earth people. And uh, when when I was getting screened for this job, uh, one of the governor's uh, representatives who was interviewing me in the early stages uh, made a comment, you know, and said, your, your kind of Midwestern roots, I think, will really connect with people in Nebraska. And I, I found that to be true. And so we've really enjoyed our time here in Nebraska. Reminds us a lot of home. Only the winters are much shorter, which I really appreciate. Good. Well, I think a question a lot of our members would have, what was it like living in California? Because it's quite a bit different than Nebraska. <laughs> you know, I get that question a lot. I get that question a lot in terms of policing. And I've always said, you know, policing is policing. Whether you're in Minnesota, California, Nebraska, it's the same job. It really is. It's the same challenges, same opportunities, uh, the same um, demand for service, right? I mean, people expect uh, the best service out of their public servants, and that's that's irrespective of the environment. So I would say the only difference is the climate. Uh, living in San Diego was great. It, uh, the best job in San Diego was being a weather person. It's 72 and sunny every day, so rather boring. Uh, I did miss uh, the change of seasons, but we really enjoyed, we lived about a mile from the beach, uh, we spent a lot of time at the beach. I learned how to surf while I was there. It was a great adventure for my wife and I. Uh, but when it was time to come back to the Midwest, it was time to come back. And we're, we're glad we did. Well, we're thrilled you're back. So. Well, thanks. 
So the Heard It Here podcast is dedicated to Nebraska cattle industry. And with that said, we have a critically important question. What is your favorite cut of beef? Oh, I have to go with top sirloin. That's uh, medium, uh, sometimes uh, drenched in garlic butter. But uh, when I get a chance to order a top sirloin, that's what I go for. And I think top sirloins have gotten a lot better uh, with genetics and the way we're feeding them. And so that's a that's an undervalued cut. So uh, we appreciate that. You bet. For our listeners who don't have much interaction with your team outside of the occasional roadside chat, give us a rundown of a day in the life of a state patrol officer, please. Well, I appreciate that question, Pete, because this is my opportunity to kind of give my recruiting pitch. I mean, being a state trooper in Nebraska is a great job. There is so much variety to it. You know, one of the things that attracted me to law enforcement when I was a young man was I, I wanted to, I didn't want to work at a desk. Ironically, I've been doing that for 20 years. But I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be uh, out interacting with people and interacting with the environment. And so this is a job uh, where you can work in a very urban area, or you can work in a very rural area, or you can do anything in between. So there's a lot of variety to this job. And, and once we hire uh, young men and women, they, they can branch their career out into any direction they want to go. Uh, but let's focus on the day-to-day. So the day-to-day for a, a patrol trooper is they're going to you know check on. If they're on a morning shift, they're going to check on early, uh, anywhere between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m., and they have an assigned area, which is actually quite large. And their responsibilities largely are around traffic safety, uh, traffic enforcement, responding to crashes and other emergencies. In our more rural areas, they will be assisting uh, rural sheriffs and police departments with whatever the issues are of the day in that area. So there really is uh, quite a lot of variety to it. But, you know, like most law enforcement agencies, 80% of what we do is really public service. It's helping a stranded motorist change a tire. It's, uh, it, it's in the helping realm more than it is in the enforcement realm. Now, the enforcement side of it gets all the attention because it's jazzy or it's stressful or somebody always will tell you about a bad experience they had with a law enforcement officer. Um, and ultimately, <clears throat> most of those bad experiences revolve around some type of enforcement. They got a ticket or... Maybe it's a a commercial motor vehicle operator who was put out of service. Well, the flip side of that is we are doing our job to make sure that the public is safe. And so it's a balance. You know, we would much rather have folks be uh, voluntarily compliant than having us to take enforcement action. But, you know, we see what happens when you don't enforce the law. It's a little bit chaotic. So that's an important component. But most of our job is really around the service aspect of, of public safety. And I think that gets lost on, on a lot of us is people look at the state patrol and think it's policing, but really the intent is public safety. And that's, we're fortunate in Nebraska, people have a high value on public safety. And so uh, this interaction, because to your point, uh, your colleagues, your teammates, our neighbors and uh, you know that that's important to remember and what we need every day to have a safe great place to live like Nebraska that's right and you know and it's not just state patrol we've got a lot of great partners in our uh, local sheriff's offices and police departments and you know these folks uh, put on a uniform and a badge every day 
and they go out and do their best. You know, are are we perfect? Of course not. You know, we make mistakes like anybody else, uh, but largely, uh, law enforcement is embraced by Nebraskans and supported, and uh, we really felt that uh, over the last few years. So our members' number one issue is labor, and it's mm-hmm. got to be a challenge for you to address that in these times right now. Uh, it's absolutely true, uh, Pete. <clears throat> that That's a universal in law enforcement across the country. Uh, we are short 40 troopers right now out of a, a contingent of 482 uh, budgeted. Uh, we're hiring, and we'll be hiring for the next five years. I know that I have about a dozen retirements every year, uh, sometimes a few more, sometimes a few less, and we are playing catch-up. So the good news is we're hiring. We're looking for uh, the men and women with the right character to do this job, and we have good pay and benefits, and we think we have a great mission uh, that connects with a lot of young people coming out of college, coming out of the military, uh, coming off the farm. Uh, We've hired a number of young men and women who were working in the ag sector and wanted to do something different. Not that I'm trying to uh, steal from anybody else's industry that's hurting for labor, uh, but uh, w- you know we are looking for uh, the, the kind of people who have the right character. We can train the skills, but they have to have the, the right, uh, you know, the honesty, the integrity, the work ethic. Uh, we have to entrust these men and women to go into people's homes, businesses, deal with the most sensitive of information that they run across. Uh, and, and can keep that in confidence and, uh, and perform at a high level. So those are the folks we're looking for, and yes, we need more of them. We're hiring great people, but we just aren't hiring enough of them. Good. Well, for our members and listeners, uh, we're fortunate in Nebraska Cattlemen with our new office location. We've been here since February of 19, and so the reason we're here visiting with The Colonel is you're our new neighbor, and so you're directly next door. Uh, We've had you and some of your senior staff over for hamburgers in July. And so tell us about your new location, why it's a benefit to you and the public. Well, thanks, Pete. First of all, uh, let's talk about the benefits of the public, because that was the most important uh, selling feature, you know, when we decided to make this investment, because this is an investment of taxpayer dollars, so we have to spend every dollar uh, responsibly. So by co-locating all of our teammates here in Lincoln in one facility, we're better able to serve as a one-stop shop for our customers. So this would be our folks who need to come to our facility for fingerprinting. Uh, If you are going to get a license to be a nurse, uh, a doctor, uh, a daycare provider, a number of other professions, you're required to have a fingerprint-based background check. That has to be done in person. Uh, that was a big challenge during the pandemic. Um, those functions are available at any of our troop area headquarters. Uh, here in Lincoln, with the new facility, that's much more efficient. We have much more room for the public uh, to come in and efficiently process those, those fingerprint applications. Uh, similarly, if you need to come for a commercial vehicle uh, inspection certificate or any of those uh, functions with our carrier enforcement division, that's all uh, handled right here. So literally, it's, uh, it's now a one-stop shop. If you needed a variety of permits previously, you would have had to uh, stop at several different locations. And we want to eliminate that for the public. This is accessible. It's right off the interstate, uh, easier to get to. 
and uh, we've found uh, a lot of great feedback from the public about this facility. Internally, uh, it is much more efficient to have all of our teammates located in one facility. When I first got here, uh, I realized that there were some disconnects in terms of where everybody was located. We had five different facilities uh, spread throughout the city of Lincoln, and, and it was all siloed by function. We had carrier enforcement in one division, patrol in another division, uh, the administration in another, another building several miles from everybody else. So I really felt the leadership of the organization, myself included, was disconnected from the day-to-day -day work that was going on and certainly disconnected from the people performing that work. So this was a, a, a challenge that was realized 30 years ago. So literally they've been trying, uh, different administrations have been trying for 30 years to do a consolidation. We were just very fortunate that the right facility, the right timing, the right uh, political backing, uh, and, you know, it all came together at the right time so that we were able to uh, get, a, get out of the previous leases that we had and then lease this one facility, which just happens to be right next door to you here, Pete. And I think for uh, our members and listeners, if you've been down I-80 and you've gone past the old Verizon call center, that's, that's your location, and people might remember that also, too. After the bomb cyclone, FEMA came in and set up shop there, and they were the previous uh, uh, residents of that building. So it, it, it does have benefit to the public that you're under one roof, so that's great. Uh, moving on, so if you would expand, please, uh, on your team outside of the state patrol officers that our members would see on the highways across the state. Oh, you bet. You know, public safety is really a team sport, I, I call it, you know, tongue-in-cheek. You know, it's a team effort. Uh, so every day we work hand-in-hand -hand with the Department of Transportation. Uh, we work with the Department of Agriculture, uh, especially out west, you know, our brand inspectors, uh, little-known branch of the Department of Agriculture. Uh, of course, our, our cattle association folks, uh, they, they work with those folks all the time. But they are really the eyes and ears for the industry out there. Um, you know, with, uh, with the local, as I mentioned before, the sheriffs uh, and the police departments across the state, uh, we're always working together, whether it be a, a big accident, whether it be a major uh, catastrophe like the floods that we experienced. Um, you know, we talk about the National Guard and the State Patrol and all of the people who were rescued from the, the floodwaters. Uh, we, we couldn't even keep track of the number of rescues performed by volunteer fire departments, local police departments, uh, public works. Uh, you know, if you think of anybody who is a public servant, somebody who works for the state, county, city, uh, we all have the same job, and that's to serve Nebraska. And so working together with those folks, whether it be in a crisis or in a routine event like uh, handling a, a minor crash or, or a traffic disruption, uh, we work together with those folks every day. And uh, sometimes uh, the, the unsung heroes are our Department of Transportation folks who are out there working hard to keep the uh, uh, traffic flowing because, uh, you know, as, as folks in your industry know, time is money. We have to get the products uh, to the processors. We got to get the products to market. We have to keep those roadways open, keep the traffic flowing, do it safely. And that's not just State Patrol, that's all those other partners that I mentioned who work hand in hand to make sure that uh, the, the commerce in Nebraska keeps flowing every day. 
Well, that's a, a great answer and a terrific transition because obviously one thing for our members is the transportation of livestock. So we have basically the same amount of beef cows in the state as we do people. 1.9 million in our feedlots finish about 5 million every year. So we have a lot of feeder cattle coming in from across not only within the state to feedlots from outside the state and then we have we're fortunate to have all the packing processing capabilities okay. so you know in terms of performing that task of transporting animals either feeder cattle or fed cattle uh, what role do you feel the state patrol has in aiding our members accomplishing that task well it's it's twofold number one is safety and number two is commerce uh, so on the safety side we need to make sure that all of our commercial vehicles, those those eighty thousand pound vehicles that are hauling goods and service, you know, goods across the state, are doing so safely. Uh, it, it's a serious challenge if they're overweight, if they're not in good working condition, if the drivers don't have the right certification to operate that vehicle, uh, or if the drivers are impaired by either uh, fatigue or, uh, you know, heaven forbid, alcohol or drugs. Uh, those are serious safety challenges that, uh, if they're not done correctly, pose a public safety threat to all of Nebraska. Uh, so we have to make sure it's done safely, but we also have to do it with an eye on keeping commerce flowing. Because as I said, time is money. Uh, that's true in just about every industry, uh, but certainly getting our product uh, you know, from uh, the, the origin to the processors that has to be done quickly because the the, uh, the health of the of the product, the cattle in this case, is important. So you don't want it to be uh, stuck in traffic when it's 105 degrees out there. Uh, those cattle have to get to the feedlots or get to the processors so that they're not stressed out. Uh, sometimes easier said than done. But uh, our job is to make sure that number one, product moves safely across Nebraska. Number two, that there are not unnecessary disruptions. And unfortunately, there's always accidents in any phase of uh, our society, but building off that answer, with that said, do you and your teammates go through special training, you know, in case of uh, livestock accidents, vehicle to animal, or just a vehicle incident? Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, as you might uh, remember a few years ago, uh, we work together with Cattlemen's Association and, and other industry partners uh, to find a way to safely get cattle to market in the unlikely event that we have an out-of-service condition. Uh, if a driver hauling cattle for some reason has to be placed out of service, uh, we made arrangements with different feedlots across the state to safely get the cattle to those locations, unload them so that we don't have a situation where cattle are stuck on the side of the road. Uh, in, in an out-of-service condition. Now, obviously, those are preventable. Most of those are preventable uh, with safety inspections of equipment, of course, and making sure the drivers uh, are, are ready for that mission, right? So that they're, uh, they're not fatigued, they're not under the influence, they, they have the right license, uh, and their equipment has already been inspected so that we don't have a problem on the side of the road. Now, sometimes things are unforeseeable. Uh, if you have a, a serious... Uh, mechanical malfunction that requires the vehicle to be put out of service, we need to get those cattle off the roadway and to a, a one of the designated feedlots. So, so that is one thing that we've uh, implemented in the last few years. And the other thing 
just in terms of the training, the basic training that our troopers go through in the academy setting really accounts for all of those emergent situations that we might run into. Uh, if you might recall, several years ago, we had a number of cattle uh, spilled out on the roadway in Omaha, and literally, you know, there was a, a cattle roundup on the interstate. Uh, many of those had to be uh, put down, uh, and that's truly unfortunate because that's that's a that's a loss to somebody. Uh, that's that cuts into somebody's bottom line. Um, so we want to make sure that we get on those situations. Um, another one that uh, one of our teammates reminded me of is out west. We actually assist with cattle crossings on state highways. Uh, in fact, I, I ran into one uh, south of Mullen last fall when I was up there hunting. Um, and literally, we helped stop the traffic to facilitate the movement of cattle. Uh, and it kind of reminds us of the good old days before there were state highways out, out west, you know. Uh, we have to facilitate that commerce, and we're happy to do it. It's really part of the economic engine that drives Nebraska. Well, I experienced that directly at our operation at Holdridge. We were bringing cattle back from where we were grazing them, and we had to coordinate with the railroads, with state patrol, with the sheriff, because, you know, people have to have the ability to stop and, and be prepared, and you can't do that on your own. It takes coordination. So I, I've experienced that on more than one occasion, and I appreciate that from you and your teammates. You bet. And we touched on the labor part before and what you're doing to recruit people. Are there anything that you can share with us that we can help you funnel good people to get to you because it's in our best interest to have good public safety and, and have people that are willing to work with the public? Anything there we can help with? Well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you raised that, Pete. I mean, number one, uh, just the, the support for law enforcement in general, because we're not the only ones facing this challenge. Our rural sheriffs out there are really having a hard time recruiting uh, deputies, uh, especially in western Nebraska. You know, some of those sheriffs may have one or two deputies, and a lot of times, once they get experience, they'll move on to a, a larger agency. Sometimes they, they come to us. Uh, I'm careful not to directly recruit from our, uh, our friends and partners in the Sheriff's Association. Uh, we're really focusing our efforts on, on recruiting new people who are coming out of college, coming out of the military, coming out of industry. Uh, but one thing that we've done that we've had a lot of success with is try to recruit uh, young people from the local area. We had a real hard time keeping people in Shadron, for example. Uh, a lot of times in the past we'd recruit from our major population areas, Omaha and Lincoln, and we would station somebody out west, and as soon as they're eligible to transfer, usually within two years, they would transfer to an opening back east, closer to home. So we, we said, look, let's take a different approach to it. Let's try to recruit people from the local area who would want to stay in the area. Uh, many years ago, there was a prevailing uh, belief that we didn't want to put troopers in their hometown, right, in their home area. Too familiar, we didn't want to have conflicts with people that they know. And frankly, uh, I think that was a flawed philosophy, and that wasn't just Nebraska State Patrol. That was kind of a pervasive notion across the country. And, and that's, in my opinion, um, you know, maybe it served us for a time, but now people want to know their law enforcement officers. We hire somebody from the local community. Um, they're known. They have relationships with people in the community. Um, they, they know the area. They know the, the cultural nuances of the area. 
I think they're more effective public servants. So take that Shadron example. We've done a lot of recruiting from the college up there, uh, from the community up there, and now that's one of our duty stations that's full. And so that's been a great success, and the, the folks who are from there want to stay in that area, and frankly, they make uh, outstanding public servants. Terrific. So we're in fall, and that means a lot of activity in, in agriculture and especially cattle. So producers are weaning their calves. They're getting them onto uh, their next destination in a feedlot. Pretty soon after harvest is complete, we'll have cows go to corn stalks. Plus, obviously, we're a decent way through harvest already. So, you know, how that relates to our membership and public safety, you know, share a little bit of thoughts because this is a really active time for, for everybody, yourself included. Absolutely. Uh, this is a very active time and, uh, you know, your members will uh, identify with this, but for the, for the public, our message is slow down, take time, uh, be aware that those 80,000 pound vehicles, uh, they don't stop on a dime, right? There are, much, there are a lot more commercial vehicles on the roadway right now. Uh, bring in the, uh, the commodities to market, and there's an increase in truck traffic. There's an increase in implements. Uh, those uh, combines and those uh, grain carts and those, those implements, they don't go 60 miles an hour down the highway. We don't want them going 60 miles an hour down the highway, right? They're not fast. They take up a lot of room. I was on Highway 75 uh, south of Auburn the other day, and there were uh, some... Uh, 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 ranchers, farmers were, were moving some equipment and um, there was a long stack behind them but there was just no way around it so you could see the people getting anxious and I would just say to those folks you just got to be patient okay um, passing a, a combine moving down the shoulder of the road in a no passing zone on a hill the, out, the potential bad outcomes are very predictable don't do it just be patient and take your time, and uh, we'll all get through this together. It's uh, There really are very few emergencies that require you to go at breakneck speeds around these implements. Uh, so we just need people to be patient, especially this time of year, and just be aware. And not only that, we have a lot more wildlife on the roadway these days. I mean, we're getting into the silly season for deer, right? Uh, which it does my heart proud, except for the fact that uh, they often find themselves in the roadway. Uh, in fact, one of our uh, troops here in Lincoln was just lecturing some of his uh, folks that, hey, between Lincoln and Beatrice this time of year, we always whack about 10 deer with, a, with squad cars. So slow down, be aware, they're going to be in the roadway. So just, uh, and we're having a hard time getting uh, squad cars right now because the manufacturers are delayed. So every time we whack one with a deer and puts it out of service for several weeks, uh, that, that's a problem for us. So we need, we need to be aware, right? And then, of course, the motoring public needs to be aware. And then, of course, I have to take this opportunity to talk about winter is coming. There was frost on my grass this morning, okay? Which, again, I, as a deer hunter, that, that makes me happy. But um, we're going to have snow and ice and, and wind and, and tough road conditions uh, just around the corner. And, again, people need to be prepared. They need to be patient Take extra time as the weather starts getting more challenging and just give yourself more time to get to your destination and uh, we'll all get through that if we use common sense. So this time of year you referenced it, uh, it's harvest, 
Um, it's a lot of cattle activity, but it's also the beginning of deer season. And knowing you're an avid uh, outdoorsman and a hunter, uh, what's your favorite species and what's your favorite uh, mode of hunting? Well, I, I am a bow hunter. I love to archery hunt for white-tailed deer. You know, growing up in Minnesota, uh, I've been doing that since I was about 14 years old. And uh, I've had the, the great pleasure of hunting in several different states, um, Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado. Um, but I, I really enjoy uh, kind of the peace of being out uh, during archery season. Um, it's quiet. You see a lot more animals. You have to really wa uh, match wits with a very, uh, very wily adversary. If you want to shoot a mature white-tailed deer with a bow, you have to really go head-to-head -head with them and figure out, you know, what are they doing and uh, try to get yourself in a position for success. Um, so that aspect of it is, is a lot of fun. And I just really do enjoy being out in nature. Um, it's a great stress reliever. Uh, as you might consider uh, being in law enforcement can be stressful at times so having a healthy outlet like hunting or uh, fishing which I also enjoy or just being outdoors is uh, is a great outlet and I really enjoy that one thing to uh, get your input on um, and you referenced it with uh, your troopers you know having like the rest of the public deal with uh, accidents so I mean we've all heard of really horrific accidents with humans with deer you know so this time of year that's prevalent you talked about slowing down but uh, are you seeing more because I think our wildlife numbers at least in my opinion seem to be growing in some cases we're seeing different species more prevalent in Nebraska I mean obviously in in the business of public safety that's something that seems to be more in my opinion do you see the same well we're seeing uh, more uh, elk and vehicle accidents out west mm -hmm. um, and they're remarkable because they're still rare but uh, when, when we see an elk hit by a vehicle I mean that's obviously a very large animal and, and it caused a lot of damage um, but it is still fairly rare but so when that happens somebody out west inevitably is sending me a picture and they're going hey look at this one you know, so, uh, but we, we hit, you know, our troopers hit raccoons and turkeys and deer all the time because we're, uh, we're doing a lot of, a lot of road miles and sometimes quickly and oftentimes in, in rural environments. Uh, but the motoring public certainly has those challenges as well. And it's just a matter of being alert and uh, expect something to be in the roadway. And, and if you do that, your reaction time is better and uh, your chances of, of not having a serious collision are increased if you're, if you're really paying attention, especially this time of year. So let's ask a fun question. What's a favorite memory you've had in your public service? Oh boy. Uh, well, I always tell people that being a law enforcement officer is like having a front row seat to life. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but there's a lot to laugh at. I mean, people can be funny. <laughs> Um, they, they do amazingly dumb things sometimes, which sometimes leave you scratching your head and sometimes uh, leave you laughing. Um, I, I have one uh, particular memory. I, I tell this story. There's a young man uh, in Minnesota uh, who, well, he was a gang member. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, this, this guy was involved in, in criminal activity, okay, but 
uh, he left Minneapolis and went up to Brainerd to kind of hide out from some of his adversaries. And, uh, well, they found him, and after a bar rush one night, they decided they were going to extract some kind of revenge on this guy, and so they were going to beat him up. So, um, so they, they proceeded to beat this guy up at a gas station while he was carrying a gun, which I don't advocate for gang members. Uh, so they took this guy's gun from him, and it happened to be a nine-shot twenty-two revolver. And it was winter, so this young man, he's a skinny young man, uh, these guys proceeded to shoot him with his gun, and they, they shot him, or shot at him, nine times with this twenty-two revolver. And he's wearing a big down coat, right? Well, when we got there, he was running away from the scene, and we're, so we stopped this guy and said, hey, you know, are you involved in this, in this incident? You know, because we had gotten a call that shots were fired. And he was denying any involvement, right? And he said, no, no, I wasn't involved in this. But every time he moved, a puff of down feathers would come out of his coat. And so we said, hey, wait a second. To us, that was a clue. So we opened up his coat, and there were 18 holes in his coat. He had been shot through and through nine times, exit, uh, entry and exit wounds, through the coat, but not a scratch on him because they missed him. They were so bad. Um, at point-blank range, they, they were shooting him in this big, fluffy down coat, and unfortunately, he was not injured. And so I, I just thought that was terribly ironic that this guy is wearing his big down coat in Minnesota in January, and he gets shot through and through the jacket and never hit him because the coat was big and he was not. So I, that that's, you know... A funny story, if it wasn't tragic that these these folks were engaged in violence, but uh, uh, the the imagery will never leave me with this guy with the feathers coming out of his coat. So that's an example of uh, the truth is better than than fiction. Truly, yeah. you couldn't make that up. I, I wish we had body cameras back in those <laughs> days because that would have been a, an image that would definitely go viral if that was a thing back then. So the next question, we ask our members to submit questions. So, you know, uh, if, if you feel the need to kick me under the table after I ask this <laughs> okay. question, please do. But, you know, it's the old tale that uh, uh, law enforcement love coffee and donuts. And so if, if that's true or not true, <laughs> uh, you can respond and, and defend your industry. I will defend my industry. Well, as you know, I do love coffee, and uh, mo most law enforcement officers do. I have a no donut rule personally. Uh, now, I'm not going to say I never eat a donut, but is this not uh, healthy for you? No offense to any bakers out there, because they are delicious. But uh, I try to steer clear of, uh, of excess carbs. I, I try to stay healthy and try to stay in good shape so I can do the things that I enjoy doing. Uh, hike up and down mountains and go chase deer. So I try to stay off of the, the sugar and carbs as best I can. If someone brings a donut into a meeting, I will ridicule them to no end. Uh, but uh, it, it, it is a quick, uh, a quick uh, calorie dump for people in our industry. And I don't know how that got started, but uh, I would suggest that people not do that, uh, at least routinely. Well, I can personally verify. I've never seen you or your colleagues eat donuts, so I think we're, we're good there. <laughs> okay. One thing I do want to say as we wrap up here is it's, it's unfortunate um, in recent years, as you know better than us, in our country it's been almost um, 
embraced to be critical of law enforcement and public safety officers. And yes, we all get pulled over at times for speeding and maybe some thing, other things, but at the end of the day, uh, we were thrilled here as staff for our members at the Nebraska Cattlemen that you are gonna be our new neighbors. And uh, for our members and listeners, we had the colonel and his senior team over for hamburgers in, in July, and I think one of the cool things about that is we had uh, lunch out uh, on the patio was your, your teammates are just like us. A lot of them are farm kids. They're just uh, people that love this state and love living here, and so it made it personal. So, you know, it's easy to look at the flashing lights and the uniform, but you're people that protect us, and we take... Uh, Great pride that you're our neighbors and appreciate you being here today with us. Well, thank you, Pete. I mean, that, that's, uh, those are kind words, and I think that's really the sentiment of most Nebraskans. I just try to frame it real simply. Uh, you know, being a law enforcement officer, it, it, you have ordinary people trying to do an extraordinary job under difficult circumstances. And you're right. I mean, we're just regular guys and gals. Uh, who are trying our best to serve the public. And we get Monday morning quarterbacked on everything we do. Um, our friends in the media spare us no quarter. And uh, there are some folks who are just bent toward uh, we can't do anything right. And that's just truly unfortunate because we have some outstanding, dedicated public servants in this industry by and large, most of them. I will go 99%. Uh, again, we're not perfect like any industry. We do make mistakes. Uh, and we only can hire people to do this job. And people uh, sometimes do wrong things. And it's our job as an industry to police ourselves, to make sure that we have the right people who are hired and, and retained to do these jobs. And uh, I can tell you in 35 years uh, in law enforcement, uh, I can't even give you a number, but 99 plus percent are just outstanding public servants trying to do the right thing. And um, that gets lost in all the noise uh, out there. So I would just encourage your, your listeners, get to know your law enforcement officers in your community. You'll find that they're just by and large good people trying to do the right thing. Well, selfishly, I can say this as being a staff member here for Nebraska Cattlemen, that one of the benefits that we look forward to being your neighbor is, as we remember back in January, on that Monday, we had those 18 inches of snow, heavy, wet snow. I was able to make it into the office that day. I was the only one here, and I had a tough time getting out of the parking lot to go home that day, and it suddenly dawned on me that our new neighbors are going to probably have a Department of Roads service in and out of your building, and we will be the beneficiary of that too. So, uh, you know, not not that uh, we want to be ahead of anybody else, but that's going to be a nice benefit. Well, we are definitely uh, uh, equipped to get out there in all conditions and and help our our public who sometimes have challenges when the when the snow gets deep. Um, so we are, we're happy to do it, and uh, we're happy to be your neighbors as well. And this just happens to be a little slice of heaven here right in the heart of Lincoln. Uh, there are deer and turkeys and other critters uh, prancing across our parking lot from time to time. So it kind of reminds me of home. So uh, we're, we're glad to be here.
So thanks again. Any last words for our members and listeners? Well, we're just really uh, proud to partner with the Cattle Association, uh, with our industry partners in agriculture and with the transportation industry uh, to do that, that good hard work that, uh, that Nebraska needs is keeping that commerce flowing and doing it safely. And uh, so we're glad to partner with, uh, with your listeners in that, in that mission. We'll have you back, and we look forward to the next conversation. Great. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. For our listeners, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Heard It Here, the official podcast of Nebraska Cattlemen. I'm Pete McClymon, Executive Vice President of Nebraska Cattlemen. Again, we're joined by Colonel John Bulldock, Nebraska State Patrol Superintendent, as he's highlighted the great work that he and his teammates are doing for the state of Nebraska. For more episodes of Heard It Here podcast, visit the Nebraska Cattlemen website at www.nebraskacattlemen.org. For up-to-date information, be sure to follow us on all of our social media. Thank you for your membership.